0: we've been reminded in that uh, last carol that Jesus was revealed first when he came to earth, revealed first to shepherds. And that's very appropriate because as we've been seeing through our Advent sermon series, God promised in Jesus to come and shepherd his people. We've seen throughout the series that humanity and God's people Israel, no less among them, we are like sheep who need a shepherd. God created us to be shepherded by him. And we've seen how God promised not to leave his people like sheep without a shepherd, but come himself to care for them and tend them. So we've got two Bible readings coming up today. The first is Psalm 23, where we hear um, one of Israel's sort of human under shepherds, King David, describe the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, as his shepherd. And then we're going to hear Mark chapter six read. And as we do keep Psalm 23, and if you can remember it from three weeks ago, Ezekiel 34, keep them in mind and see if you can spot how in Mark six, Jesus is fulfilling these depictions these promises of god come to shepherd his people i'm going to hand over to the greg family and they're going to read for us
1: psalm
2: 23 the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
3: And then the reading from Mark chapter six, verses 30 to 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000.
4: Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them when they saw him walking on the lake. and They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried those who were ill on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he was into villages, towns or countryside, they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed.
0: Thanks very much, Gregs. Um, let me pray and then we will dive a bit deeper into Mark 6. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, Yeah, giving us your word and thank you for the wonderful way that it portrays so vividly the fulfilment of your promises in the Old Testament here as we encounter Jesus in Mark. Lord, please give us eyes to see, please give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you are showing us, what you are saying to us this morning.
1: We ask it for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Now, let me begin by asking a question that might feel like a bit of a tangent or a bit of a a leap, but it will tie in. So bear with me and let me ask, what makes, what do you think makes you truly alive? What makes you truly alive? How would you answer that?
1: Maybe it's having essentials, like food
0: and water and warmth and shelter. Maybe it's getting all the Christmas presents that you asked for, or getting to spend Christmas where you wanted to, with the people you wanted to. Maybe it's traveling the world, you know, discovering exciting new places. Maybe it is involvement or success in sports or the arts. Or just at a deeper level, following your heart's desire, wherever that leads in your career or in love or in discovering your self-identity. What is it that makes you feel truly alive?
1: What about relationships?
0: Many of us, I think, probably value good, supportive, loving relationships a lot more after two years of a pandemic and being cut off from them a lot of the time. What if there was a
1: person who knew you so well,
0: who loved you with such compassion, who was so able to supply your needs and direct your life so wisely that that person
1: made you truly alive. Isn't that just the stuff of romantic comedies? Just fiction, right? Well, no.
0: Here in in Mark chapter six, in this carefully recorded account based on the testimony of those who knew Jesus best we see that Jesus is that very person he is the good shepherd in whose care we truly find life so let me let me sort of lead us in with our first points simply to see That Jesus is our good shepherd. We're going to see that first, and then we're going to move on to how it is that He gives us life, true life, that we are truly alive in His care. So, firstly, see that Jesus is your good shepherd. And we've seen in Mark's gospel, or we would have done if we'd been going through it week by week, that. The Jewish nation in Jesus's time had a lot of bad shepherds who were failing them. Even if we were to read back through the first half of Mark chapter six, we would see that King Herod, the the, the kind of puppet ruler of the part of Israel around Lake Galilee, was far less concerned with truth and justice and righteousness than with his own reputation and with, with convenience, with looking good in front of his henchmen. And so he imprisoned and then beheaded John the Baptist, the last prophet of Israel before Jesus. Instead of shepherding the people and listening to the teaching of another shepherd like John, he
1: silenced the shepherd. But in contrast, in the second half of Mark 6,
0: we see how Jesus fulfills so many Old Testament promises and does things that only Yahweh, the God of Israel in the Old Testament, can do. Many more things than we're actually going to have time to look at this morning. But through it all, Jesus shows that he is a good shepherd. And he's not just a good shepherd. He is the promised good shepherd
1: who is God? If
0: we start with verse 34. That's one of the, the key verses here. We've got this loud, large crowd that have eagerly, even desperately run after Jesus and got ahead of him from all over the local area. They, they've seen in Jesus and heard in his teaching
1: something they've never, never encountered before.
0: And when Jesus arrives at the lake shore, he sees this huge crowd. Though he's probably tired, though his disciples are tired and they need a rest. He doesn't send the crowd away. Instead, he has compassion on them. And he has compassion on them because they are like sheep
1: without a shepherd. They are
0: poorly led, badly taught by many of their own leaders oppressed by foreign armies of the Romans. They have little help with scraping
1: out an existence in a hard world. They are directionless. What's it all about? Where's God in this? When's he going to keep his promises? They are like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus has compassion
0: on them. And... When when it says he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, this is echoing something we saw at the start of our Advent Sermon series, Numbers chapter 27, verse 17, where Moses prays that God would not leave Israel like sheep without a shepherd.
1: And just like Moses,
0: Jesus sees the people's need, but instead of praying to the Lord he steps up to meet that need himself. And what follows shows in vivid 3D colour how he is the promised good shepherd that we've we've been learning about in our Advent series. If you take Psalm 23, which we had read, let's see how Jesus fulfills the descriptions of the Lord as shepherd here in Mark 6. So firstly, just as the Lord makes David lie down and rest in green pastures. So Jesus calls the weary disciples to come away and rest with him in verse 31, and then makes the people sit or recline on green grass, Mark specifies in verses 39 to 40. Or how about You know, just as the the Lord guides along paths of righteousness in Psalm 23, Jesus teaches the people many things in verse 34. We've we've seen already in Mark that the content of his teaching is calling the people to repentance, to
1: believe the good news. Repentance
0: includes turning and following him down paths of righteousness. Then as the Lord ensures that David lacks nothing, so Jesus feeds the people until they are full and satisfied in verse 42. And finally, as the Lord leads beside quiet or still waters in Psalm 23, so when Jesus climbs into the boat with his disciples in verse 51, the wind dies down and all is still and
1: quiet. Jesus is the Lord, David's shepherd, come to shepherd all of his people.
0: What about Ezekiel 34? We had that in, in the sermon uh, three weeks ago. That gave some vivid portrayals of how the Lord was going to come and shepherd his people. Let me read a few verses again. So we've got um, <coughs> Verses 13 to 16. And the Lord said, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. what about verse 25, where he says, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts, so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. And verse 29, where he says, I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land. How does that compare with Mark 6? Well, again, just as God will gather scattered sheep to himself in their own land and make them lie down and rest in Ezekiel 34. So here in Mark 6, in verse 30, Jesus gathers his scattered disciples and the, the Greek verb there is passive. So it means they didn't gather themselves. In one sense, they were gathered by another. Jesus gathers them and offers them rest. And again, in verses 39 to 40, he makes the people sit down and recline too, which is a position of rest. As God promises um, in Ezekiel 34, verse 15, to tend or feed his sheep. So Jesus feeds them from his own hand in Mark 6, verse 41. And the abundant leftovers, 12 baskets full. Point to the time prophesied in Ezekiel 34 verse 29, where God said he would end all famine. Jesus is the one who will do that at his second coming. Or again, just as God promised to bind up the sick and strengthen the weak in Ezekiel 34 verse 16. So Jesus heals all who are ill in the villages around Gennesaret in verse 56. And the word that's translated ill in in Mark 6, verse 56, can mean sick or weak. There is another parallel here with Ezekiel 34. Finally, as, as God promised in Ezekiel 34, verse 25, that his people would live and sleep in safety in the wilderness and forests. So Jesus's disciples and all who have followed him around the lake. Find safety and provision with him in a remote and solitary place on the lake shore. Now, if you put all of this together, there are so many ways, some more subtle, some more clear, that Jesus demonstrates that he is Yahweh, the God of Israel, come to shepherd and save his
1: people. Can you see that? Can you see the beauty of his care, the tenderness of his compassion? You know, unlike some employers,
0: Jesus doesn't ignore people's need for rest. He actively encourages it. And yet he is so filled with compassion for the crowd that he cannot turn them away or, or leave them to fend for themselves. How many of us would willingly surrender our rest like that when we are dog-tired? Jesus does. And unlike us with unwanted visitors, Jesus doesn't just give them enough to make them go away. He spends all day teaching them and then feeds them till they are full. And when he encounters marketplace after marketplace of sick and weak people, he isn't overwhelmed. He doesn't postpone non-essential surgery and send the people away. He heals every one
1: of them. Perhaps a little more challenging, when he sees his
0: disciples straining at the oars in the boats at evening time, he doesn't go down to them and relieve them until early morning, just before dawn.
1: That's because he's praying for them,
0: I take it. I assume that he is praying for them to have their eyes open to who he really is. He's tending to
1: their greater need. Are you amazed by how Jesus cares for his sheep? It is unique.
0: Now that doesn't mean that he always or immediately meets people's greatest felt needs. That he clearly does care about felt needs. But he also sees and meets our deepest
1: needs. Whether you would call yourself a Christian or not,
0: I want to ask, will you you trust yourself to his care? In a world of, of politicians and bosses and teachers, even parents and pastors who regularly disappoint, who are not good shepherds, Will you trust yourself to one who who demonstrates such compassion, such wisdom, such self-sacrificial love in the way he leads and cares for his people?
1: Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the God shepherd. And if we follow him, he will be our shepherd. But how does he
0: shepherd his people now? Since he was crucified and rose again, he's been seated in heaven, not here on earth with us. We can't go and touch his cloak and be healed and things like that. How does he care for us now and and shepherd his sheep? Well, I believe he still does meet our physical needs until such time as he calls us home. I believe he still heals miraculously. Though it does seem that he often considers that our our faith in him is deepened most and our hope is best displayed to the world when he walks with us and upholds us through physical suffering or mental illness
1: rather than by taking it away. He does care about and meet our physical needs still. But God is showing us here in Mark 6 that Jesus shepherds us in an even more important way. And that brings me to my my second point.
0: Trust your shepherd to feed you with his word. Trust your shepherd to feed you with his word. Why do I say that? Well, if you come back with me to verse 34 again. What is it that Jesus does when he sees the people like sheep without a shepherd? He teaches them. He teaches them many things. He takes all afternoon about it, maybe all day even, because it's evening time by the time he stops and feeds them. Why does he teach them first? Well, it's because their greatest need is his teaching. Indeed, that was the main point of Jesus's ministry prior to dying on the cross for our sins. If we were to flick back to Mark chapter one, verse 38, when the residents of uh, Capernaum, where Jesus had been staying, were eagerly searching for him because of all the miracles he'd done among them. Jesus says to his disciples, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. He came to preach, to teach. Jesus' teaching is the greatest way that he cares for and shepherds his sheep after dying for us on the cross and rising again to give us hope of eternal
1: life. The feeding of the 5,000
0: was therefore not just a sign of his compassion by meeting people's physical needs, it confirms the greater importance of his teaching. Now how, how does that work? How, how does Mark 6 show us that? Well, there, there is a lot of imagery in the second half of Mark 6 that reminds us of Israel in the desert with God after the exodus from Egypt. And that complements the shepherd imagery. It runs alongside it. And it's particularly significant because the Old Testament prophets, especially Isaiah, pointed to a second exodus when God would bring his people, not just Jews now, but we see in Isaiah, especially Gentiles too, from among the nations to their own land with him, like a shepherd gathering in
1: his scattered sheep. And Mark's gospel shows that
0: that second exodus has begun with Jesus. And one of the hints here in in our our section is the key uh, repeated use of the word for desert or wilderness. It's slightly obscured in the NIV, the translation we're using. But if you look at um, verse 21, uh, sorry, verse 31, where Jesus calls them to come away to a quiet place and verse 32 where it says a solitary place and verse 35 where it says a remote place that is all one word in greek and it's the same word that is used for wilderness or desert in the greek version of the old testament particularly in descriptions of the first and second exodus and so jesus is deliberately or inadvertently, hard to tell with the crowd on the shore, leading people into the wilderness, just like Israel from Egypt. And again, just like Israel gathered at Mount Sinai under God, Jesus teaches them. And as a consequence, his disciples in particular, who Quite possibly haven't eaten since verse 31 where we're told that things were too busy for them to eat the disciples and the, the, the crowds too perhaps they haven't eaten all day
1: jesus is teaching them and say so they're hungry and then he feeds them like god
0: like god did with manna in the wilderness by giving them this sort of miraculously multiplied bread. Now that is really strongly evoking what God was doing in the Exodus, in in the desert at Mount Sinai, particularly if we read these verses from Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 3. It says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors have known, to teach you, and this is the key bit, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that
1: comes from the mouth of the Lord.
0: That last verse, verse three is really key. Just like the Lord with Israel, Jesus I brought these people into the wilderness and caused them to hunger and then fed them with miraculous bread to teach them and to teach us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Jesus, who is the Lord. So the this miraculous feeding of the 5,000 is not an end in itself. It is showing that Jesus is teaching the thing he'd been doing all day and the repentance and belief that he calls for, following him, loving God with all our hearts, loving neighbor as self.
1: That is what gives life. Jesus teaching gives us true life more than any bread or anything else on this earth. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the God
0: shepherd. Come to care for his people. And he feeds us most importantly today by his word,
1: his teaching. So whenever
0: we hear the Bible faithfully taught, and all of it in one sense is from Jesus as, as the word of God through whom, the Father, through whom the Father speaks to us. Whenever we hear the Bible faithfully taught, Jesus continues to shepherd and feed us today. And whenever we prayerfully open up the Bible alone and read it by ourselves or maybe together in home group, Jesus continues to shepherd and feed us. And whenever we share its truth with each other, to encourage or to challenge, or when we offer gospel hope to those who don't believe, Jesus continues to shepherd
1: and feed. Jesus is the good shepherd who feeds us and leads us, especially through his teaching. We don't live
0: by bread alone or a fulfilling career, or exciting holidays, or looking inside to find our true self. But by every word
1: that comes from the mouth of Jesus. And so I want to ask, will you let him feed you? Will you let him lead you
0: by his teaching? Even when he asks you to do hard things, which he does, is a call to follow him is a call to take up our cross and deny ourselves and follow him, as we would see if we continued reading to Mark 8. When he, when he calls you to follow, when he teaches you hard things, will you trust him to feed you? Because of the compassion, the compassion and the tender care that we have seen here in Mark chapter 6. He loves us.
1: He knows our needs so well. He is so sacrificial in his care, even dying for us. So will we trust him to
0: feed us with his words? And will we trust him not simply by listening and hearing and sort of knowing what it says in our heads, but just like we need to, Chew on and digest bread and take it into our bodies to get the goodness out of it and let it energize our, our lives, our actions. Will we take Jesus's teaching to heart? Will we meditate and chew on it and let it shape our thoughts, not actions? That is how it gives us life when we don't just know it up here, but when we live it out and choose to believe it day by day. Even the things that sound most implausible in today's culture, you know whether whether that's know, skipping, skipping a sports event on a Sunday morning so that you can be at church and let Jesus feed you, even though the world says that you're you know you're more fulfilled, more alive by being off at whatever event it was. When when Jesus perhaps calls you to sacrificial giving of your time, your your energy or your finances for the sake of his kingdom? Will you trust that in in taking that teaching to heart, that is how you will truly find life? Or even if he calls you to do something that seems utterly implausible, like embracing celibacy or staying single because you're same-sex attracted or... You can't find a, a Christian spouse and you want to honour his teaching on marriage and sex and you, you want to trust that his pattern for our lives is what brings true flourishing. Will you, will you let him feed you with that teaching? Will you discover that that is where true life is found?
1: Even if the world says it's utterly implausible. And will you trust him because of the compassion, because of the incredible tender care that he displays as our shepherd.
0: Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus is our God shepherd. And he feeds us through his word.
1: Let's take his word to heart. Let me pray.
0: Lord Jesus, we, we struggle often when we hear your teaching, whether in the Gospels or through your apostles or you sent through the prophets in the Old Testament. We struggle sometimes, Lord, to to believe that life is found in your teaching. We find it so easy to look at what the world says about where life is found and then look at your teaching and think, well, I don't know about that. Lord, please would you convict our hearts deeply of your tender care, your tender mercies and compassion. How good a shepherd you are. How much better than any who would claim our allegiance or call us to follow them as shepherds in this world. Lord, help us to see that you are the good shepherd. And as the God who made us, you are the one who knows us best. As the one who died for us, you have withheld nothing from us. Help us, Lord, please, to to trust you in our hearts, to feed on your words, to let you feed us by it, and to follow your lead. We ask for the glory of your name. Amen.